2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Even the best leader isn't enough to get this market roaring if no one else is willing to follow. Don't get me wrong. The day where the Dow dipped 13 points, S&P inched up 0.07%. NASDAQ gained 0.41%. I'm thrilled that the tech-heavy NASDAQ remains strong. Without tech, you know what? I think the bull would be toast. <laughs> But the truth is that while a couple of groups are leading the way here, namely tech and then retail, very few stocks away from those groups are following. If we don't get some more followers soon, this could spell the end of this advance, especially since the tech fabric is already starting to fray around the edges. Sure, Apple's up again, gaining nearly $1.50 and surging towards a trillion-dollar market capitalization. As the evidence keeps mounting, the service revenue stream is more strong, much more strong than people believe. Amazon's making its move in the trillion-dollar horse race too, rising thirty-one dollars. Although it's still a lap behind Apple. Netflix was off to the races again, up four bucks for no apparent reason. I can't even gin up a fictional explanation. So many so-called professionals who follow the stock try to every day. Could Prince Koopa? Which made a fabulous move higher today, climbing 8.7% after reporting a fabulous quarter yesterday. Could that be the beginning of a major surge? I have to tell you all well, day today, I was kicking myself that I didn't try even harder on Friday to get you to buy it. Oh, bro, it comes a uh, move. Seems to be pretty pronounced. Analysts are falling all over themselves to recommend it ahead of Thursday's earnings report. NXP sent me, which Qualcomm's trying to buy, five bucks right at the bell. Unfortunately, though, aside from these high profile winners, many other NASDAQ tech stocks are struggling here with fractional gains and losses. In other words, the Bulls have most of, of tech here, but they don't have all of it. Where else are the Bulls winning? Retail. Here's a group that has caught fire Gap and Macy's both soared about 7% today. On the strength of very positive notes from Matthew Boss, the phenomenal retail analyst from JP Morgan. I'm- Wow, one analyst. Incredible. His piece on Macy's confirmed my belief that we're still in the early innings of this comeback that's being spearheaded by CEO Jeff Gannett, the turnaround artist of the year, the stock's up nearly 90% since I told you it was too cheap to ignore it, and that was last August. Macy's has a monster 4% yield that's safe here. And Gannett's brought in a stellar group of people to run the e-commerce business, including some brilliant folks from eBay. Or how about Kohl's KSS? Remember a couple of weeks ago, the stock got slammed from $65 down to 60 in the wake of a good but not perfect quarter because the bears controlled the narrative? Since then, though, get this. The stock has roared to $75, including a fabulous 4.7% gain just today alone as it's dawning on people that the turn is for real. Although we did a small trim for my travel trust this afternoon, which you can follow along by joining the ActionWorksPlus.com club. Hey, sometimes bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. There's no stop in the stock of this Burlington Stores. I mean, this has got to be the unsung hero of the group. It's up another 2.3% today. Eight months ago, the stock was a $90 stock. Now it's at $156. This weekend, I went to my uh, Brooklyn Burlington to see what the hubbub was all about. Holy cow, the place was wall-to-wall people with prices to beat the band. You know the line was 30 deep waiting for the registers? Man, people love a bargain. Let's not forget Target, which vaulted another 2.8% to a new high. Just like Kohl's, Target got slammed after reporting a spectacular quarter with amazing online growth and fantastic private label entries. But the market didn't see them that way, no, at least not for the first 24 hours. Meanwhile, Best Buy is clawing its way back after that supposedly negative guidance. The truth is that's always the way they play it. Why are people so stupid? Ah. There's no law against it. So the bulls have retail, which means the consumer is smoking, and the bulls have tech, the largest sector in the S&P 500. But wait a second. Wait a second. Sadly, that's where it ends. There are so many other groups lagging behind, and they represent a major obstacle to this market charging to new highs. Let's start with the financials. That's the second largest sector after tech. We know that business and employment are both on fire here, which means loan growth should be superb. and defaults close to nil. But as long as interest rates keep falling, the bank stocks will remain out of favor. We've entered a theater of the absurd with the Finns, where the only thing that can bolster the group is the thing that will ultimately slay it. Interest rates. Higher rates will eventually make it so you can on the bank stocks. So you got to be careful what you wish for. Look, I get it. For years, we've been told that the banks need higher rates because they instantly get more profitable when they get a better return from investing your deposits risk-free. But that's not the only thing that matters here. And I think it's insane that the bank stocks are so cheap when the loan growth is this strong. JP Morgan, best of the budget, 11 times next year's earnings. 11! Bank of America, 10 times extra. city nine. Goldman Sachs, my alma mater, nine and a half. Come on. Citigroup's especially cheap on a tangible book value or TBV. What the company would be worth if you just closed the doors tomorrow and liquidated everything. This is a $66 bank stock with a $61 book value. And it's buying back 7% of its shares year after year after year. What more do you want? Unfortunately, Wall Street doesn't seem to care, at least not at the moment. My hope is that after the government issues its formal stress test results at the end of this month, we'll see big buybacks and dividend announcements. But man, oh man, these stocks are hated. And the end of the month, that's years from now. The drug stocks can't get any traction either. Have you seen that group I foot? It was saw some nascent strength in biotech yesterday. Yeah, that was all short-lived. It's always difficult to catch a bottom in the group when the best of the consistent pharma stocks, J&J, can't catch a break what the heck is that all about put that one away buy it and put it away all the drug stocks seem to be on the ropes whether they're talking about the ones with the hottest drugs like Merck with Keytruda or the ones with the greatest value like Amgen with its gigantic mountain of cash judging from the two percent decline today Cash might as well be trash, at least if it's owned by Amgen. The health insurers are just treading water. The device makers are getting hammered. We're going to hear from Medtronic later tonight in the wake of what I thought was a very successful analyst meeting. But the market seems to disagree with me. The transports are in brutality mode. You can't even look at them. The other day, we had Union Pacific on, and the stock was flying right into a fabulous investor conference. But a few days after the shindig, and the stock is now getting slammed despite a very aggressive buyback bolster by taking down debt that was announced today. Southwest, American, Delta, United, they are in some sort of spiral that their stocks can't get out of. FedEx, UPS, even, even XPO Logistics seems stalled. It's mortifying to watch the cruise stocks go down off a very negative Morgan Stanley note, questioning uh, much of, frankly, what we recently heard from the CEOs of Carnival and Norwegian. According to Morgan Stanley, at least, future bookings are weakening, and that's crushing the stocks. They also worry about the strong dollar and about fuel prices. I want to trust the CEOs, but Wall Street sure doesn't. They're banking on the negative analyst report. There's still no real lift to the staples either. The group is pathetic. Procter & Gamble's down an astounding 19.5%. Can you imagine? Kellogg tried to make a mini run last week, but it has given up the ghost, and Hershey is pennies away from a new low. Now, it shouldn't take much to turn this thing around. Oil a few dollars lower should ignite the transports. Interest rates a tad higher could put a floor on the banks. But here's the bottom line. Without more leadership than the techs and the retailers, you can't expect this market to make a legitimate assault on new highs, as so many people are now expecting because the Nasdaq and the Russell 2000 both broke records. The Bulls can claim it's a work in progress, but the Bears just say it ain't working. We need to see more leadership. And while I think it can emerge right now, it's just nowhere in sight. I want to go to Anthony in Florida. Anthony! Booyah, Jim,
3: from Juneau Beach, Florida. Beautiful! What are your, on KKR, restructuring the company from a partnership into a corporation? But this change is
2: structured. Do you like this? No, what I like about it is because Henry Kravis is there, and he is a great man who has made a huge amount of money for people, and he's going to continue to do so. I think it is a solid buy. I need to go to Carl, my home state of New Jersey. Carl.
4: Will you, Jim? Uh, The governor of New Jersey recently enacted new legislation to make solar power more affordable to homeowners by way of tax credits. I was looking over the sector, and I— One stock caught my eye. It's had a good run. That's Sunrun, ticker uh, R-U-N. I was wondering what your thoughts are on this company. You
2: know what? I'm going to have to do more work. And the reason I'm going to have to do more work is because I thought they're doing well. But today we got a downgrade of First Solar. And it crushed the stock. So I can't say, you know what? We got to go buy some Sunrun if First Solar is down $3.50 like it was. Let's go to Doug in Nebraska. Doug! Hey, Kramer, Yo. little corn husker, booyah. You done you, your way, dolly. partner.
1: <laughs>
2: hey, I tell you what, I need some help. Yeah. I appreciate how you help us small investors. Oh, you bet. Um, I'm looking at a company, it's called, letters uh, letters, A-G,
4: a majestic silver mining. I've invested in them uh, a few months ago, and I think things were looking real good. They kept going up. Now
1: they've dropped back a little bit, and uh, I wanted to get your opinion if if
4: it's the price of silver, if it's uh, dollar value or inflation. Maybe that's holding them back a little now. Um, they acquired a mine down in Mexico. I don't know if that's good or bad, but... Uh,
1: they seem like a solid company. I just wanted to get your thoughts. So. All right,
2: Doug, let's take it from there. Uh, Majestic, first Majestic is not as good as the only silver company that I ever recommend, which is Pan American Silver, P-A-A-S, which is quite good. And is the best way to play silver, which has become very hot, by the way. All right, tech is important, but tech and retail can't be the only things doing well. A narrow market is a market that is only a work in progress. Man, tonight... Out with the old. I'm talking Twitter's addition to the S&P, what it really means. And, of course, we're going to touch on a Neil Young non-favorite Monsanto. Ben, are you trying to balance Palo Alto's record revenue with its sudden leadership change? I'm investigating Palo Alto's future. with both the incoming and the outgoing execs. And if your portfolio is looking for some r and I've got my own Wyndham Destinations. It's the world's largest vacation exchange number. Read Timeshare. Don't miss my exclusive and stick with... Sometimes the symbolism in this industry is downright heavy-handed. We're right on the precipice of the first generational change in the S&P 500 in ages. And I can't help but feel that this is a metaphor for the way these companies are headed. I'm talking about how Standard & Poor's announced that come Thursday, the $56 billion Monsanto Biotech C company comes out of the S&P 500 and the $28.5 billion Twitter social media site goes in. When Bayer announced its acquisition of Monsanto two years ago, this company was already viewed with skepticism, in part because these are the guys who created Agent Arns, the American scourge during the Vietnam War, but mainly because of their pioneering work on genetically modified seeds, the GMOs that so many millennials despise. How reviled is Monsanto? So reviled that Bayer has chosen to scrap the once hallowed name of Monsanto itself, with Bayer CEO, Warner Bauman, explaining that the deal, quote, is too important to allow ideological differences to bring progress to a standstill. Of course, the issue here is progress itself. Rightly or wrongly, millennials believe that Monsanto has taken it too far and that natural organic is the way to go. I know many millennials who simply run from anything GMO, and it's only accelerated since this acquisition was announced. Yeah, the last two years has been brutal. At the same time, the addition of Twitter presents an incredible contrast. Unlike Monsanto, Twitter makes nothing. It's created by millennials, and not long ago was thought to be for millennials, too. But now it's been colonized by baby boomers like myself and become the preferred way for the president of the United States to address the country totally unfiltered. Think of Twitter as the natural, organic way to communicate. Without it, the president might get into less trouble with the media, but he also wouldn't be able to connect with his supporters the way he has. Love him or hate him, the president's use of Twitter has revolutionized politics. Twitter joins the S&P because it's gotten to the point where it's large enough and relevant enough and representative enough of the new economy. By the way, in the old days, all this was true for Monsanto, at least after it shed its old-line chemical business and became a seed company with biotech trappings. But that's now become old school, and Twitter is new school. Honestly, when you take a step back, the ascent of Twitter is quite amazing. A little less than a year ago, its stock was at 15 bucks after a series of missed quarters. At the same time, Twitter felt like little more than a takeover story, with first Salesforce taking a run at it, largely because of its big data possibilities. And then several media companies considered bids as its popularity grew. Now, though, Twitter's turned into a fast-growing earnings story that's too big for all but the largest of suitors to swallow. How did this all happen? I think it's because advertisers desperately wanted an alternative to Facebook. And the advent of video programming, especially sports, made Twitter an easy call as the platform's popularity grew at a far more consistent pace than it used to be. So it's out with the once thought of as new GMO makers. And in with social media. The GMO plays like Monsanto used to be viewed as cutting-edge innovators who were harnessing science to feed the world. Now, the reviled as biotech food companies. Social media, it's as loved as GMOs are hated by those who seem destined to take over the earth. Let's go to Kevin in Ohio. Kevin! Jim, a Dayton Flyer booyah from Cincinnati. There you go. Hey, we love Cincinnati. Hey. What's going on? Hey, I have
1: one for you Snap, Snapchat, S-N-A-P. Um, recently, there's been a big rush of uh, big name advertisers such as eBay, Netflix, right. Apple TV, and whatnot. And I just want to have your
2: viewpoint on, on how it's going in the future and what you, uh, what you're, you know, you're suggesting suggesting well, yeah. to the long, long position. You know, i got a corporate governance conference I'm doing for the street on Thursday, Street and & Deal, and I've been wrestling with recommending uh, Snap. Why? Because I do think that, that it's got growth ahead of it, but it's got no votes for the people who buy the stock. And that, well, I can't get my arms around it. All right. But it does have some momentum starting right now. We just witnessed the first generational change to the S&P 500. Twitter's edition is the beginning of the end of old school companies, in my opinion. Still ahead, Palo Alto's shares are up 40% this year, but it's hit some turbulence as of late. Is this pullback a buying opportunity? I'm sitting down with both the current and the incoming CEO. Then does your portfolio need some window at its back? I've got the exclusive with the company's top brass to find out if it's worth making room for. And how do you get a winning company and a winning stock? I'm going to sit down with Medtronics' CEO to talk innovation, invention, and disruption. So stick with Kramer
1: tomorrow kick off the trading day with squawk on the street live from post nine at the NYse I
2: love these uh, we're well aware and, and, love and they, they love for. you and I love what they stand and, for. and they love all right you. there you go you can draw your own conclusions
1: it all starts at 9 a.m Eastern.
2: Makeup. Palo Alto Networks here, the big daddy of the cybersecurity space. These guys are really at the forefront of the industry. and The stock has caught fire lately. It's up 41% year-to-date. However, in recent days, Palo Alto has run into a little turbulence. Last Friday, the company announced that its longtime chairman and CEO Mark McLaughlin will be retiring, think, tomorrow, and handing over the reins to Nikesh Arora. He's formerly the COO of SoftBank and the chief business officer at Google. McLaughlin has done a tremendous job over the years. He's made a fortune. A lot of investors tend to be pretty delirious, though, of leadership transitions. Then yesterday morning, Palo Alto reported its latest quarter, and while the actual results were very good, even better than the recent pre announcements some people were concerned about the guidance, which wasn't as perfect as you might have hoped. The stock opened very strong, then plummeted, bounced to close down about a half percent. We're getting slammed again today, down another two percent. I think we need to get some clarity here, because I thought it was a darn good quarter. So I was grateful for a chance to chat with Mark McLaughlin, the outgoing chairman and CEO, as well as Nikesh Arora, his incoming replacement earlier today. Take a look. Mark and Nikesh, thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Great to see you both. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here.
2: All right, Mark, I'm going to do something. Nikesh, see- good to see you. I'm going to do something that's out of sync with what I see on my screen. I'm going to say congratulations to you both for your multiple years of making so many of uh, viewers money. But also, I thought this quarter was incredibly strong. I want you to talk about what it means to have revenues up 31 percent, billings up 33 percent. You are not a small company.
0: Yeah, Jim. We know we've done a, a nice job, I think, as a company to show what's happening in security. as there's a really move to a platforms. And those platforms are defined by consistency of security where data is in networks, endpoints, and in the cloud. And because of that, we've been growing very nicely at scale. I think we're the largest security company now. And uh, you can see the billings growth of 30-plus percent, like you said, revenue growth of 30-plus percent, very evenly distributed geographically around the world. It's increasingly obvious that uh, people are coming to Alto Networks in droves. We have about 51,000 customers now, and the rate of customer acquisition is very, very high.
2: I'm going to let you introduce our viewers to a man I know well who has done incredible things at both Google, now Alphabet, and also SoftBank. Tell us why Nikesh is a worthy successor as you step down to vice chair.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah. uh, With these concept of platforms where security is clearly going in the future are platforms that are defined by software, by cloud, massive data sets, the use of analytics and machine learning to make predictive and proactive answers in security. And that's been a big driver of our success. I think the company's going to look different in five years than it has today because of the real drive towards those platform and those capabilities. And with my transition that I've been working on for a while and looking for the perfect person to do that, we wanted somebody who is a very demonstrated business executive at scale and would bring those key attributes to the table to take us where the company's going to be in five years. And we're really fortunate to have Nikesh join us, and we're uh, very, very excited with the transition.
2: Nikesh, I know you as a visionary and someone who also knows how to rack. up some big sales. Some of these analysts seem stuck on the idea that you don't have necessarily a big background in cybersecurity. But after listening to what Mark just said, I want someone who has a background in all of tech. Is that what intrigued you, the platform and where you could take it next?
4: Well, Jim, the good news is I knew nothing about advertising or ad sales when I joined Google in 2004. And I think that worked out. So, as far as I'm concerned, look, I needed something to drag me out of my house and go back to work. I look at the cloud revolution, it's very, very early on the enterprise space. I look at the fact that we're gonna have to secure our digital future in there. And Palo Alto is already an early leader in that space. So for me to get out of my house and come to work every day, I wanted something that was exciting, hyper growth, something which is a fantastic platform. And Mark and team have done a phenomenal job in building Palo Alto networks to where it is today. And I look forward to be able to take that forward and see if uh, we can apply the principles of scale that we learned at Google to follow all the networks.
2: All right, Nikesh, you're a competitive guy. How do you like a conference call that begins with about, talking about what clients you took from Cisco, what clients you took from Checkpoint, <laughs> and how it's really important for people to recognize that it's entertainment, it's hospitality, it's a broad list of clients that they're losing, and you're winning.
4: Oh. Mark, I think you can talk about the clients we have taken. Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just been very consistent, Jim. You know, I've had the uh, privilege of being on a show a number of times and every single quarter. It's been the same story, which is Palota Networks continues to take lots of uh, customers from all the competition. Uh, That hasn't slowed down at all. The win rates are very high and expect them to continue to be the case in the future.
4: Now, Um, Jim, I'm mm -hmm. hoping that... Sorry. I'm hoping that the clients we take in the future are not just from Cisco and Fortinet and Checkpoint. I'm hoping that we're taking a whole bunch of clients in the cloud space because that's where this industry is going.
2: Now, Nikesh, one of the things that I've always loved about Mark is he's built coalitions. I often have a lot of, I actually have every cybersecurity company that's public come on the show. And it's very rare that they ever say that they are competitive. What they say is they're grateful to be on the Palo Alto platform. Who else out there can be part of it? Can SoftBank, which has a very big cybersecurity investment, can they be part of the
4: equation? Well, one of the things which I got really excited about, which I heard Nir describe, the founder of the company, and Mark describe, is this new application framework. Where the notion is, rather than look at the industry as point solutions for a lot of things, that we do in cybersecurity, let's create a platform where we can bundle and bring the best of breed to the customer to solve their problem. So now with the new application framework, you can pick your best cybersecurity vendor you like as long as they're on the platform and Mark's already demonstrated 30 of them in the conference they had a few weeks ago and hopefully that number will rise and go to the thousands, then you as a customer can pick the best of breed from that and Palo Alto Networks has enabled that for you and to some degree, we're neutral on who you pick as long as they're being used on
2: the platform. All right, Nikesh, there's a big bridge behind you. And one of the things I've learned about you is you did not burn any bridges on the way out of Alphabet. Have you talked to the fabulous Diane Green about what Google Cloud's doing?
4: Well, I haven't talked to Diane specifically, but I have talked to some other people at Google and uh, I'm hoping as we go forward, we'll strike partnerships, not just with Alphabet and Google, but also with the other big players in the space, be it Microsoft or Amazon or many of our partners in the cybersecurity space.
2: All right, Mark. uh, forgive me for saying this, but you make me feel old when I hear that you're retiring. Tell me you're not really retiring. <laughs> that vice chair is a launching pad for another whole career and that you're not going to go into <laughs> fade, fade into the sunset.
0: Well, you know, Jim, this is all a very uh, personal thing for me of making sure I can get some more time at uh, home, especially with my youngest child. So uh, Nikesh has been great about this. The board as well. They asked me to stay involved as the vice chairman in a semi-operational role to help out where I can with uh, customers along the way and relationships that I've built. So I'm really looking forward to being part of the Pilot Networks team uh, for quite some time.
2: And will you uh, continue with the tradition that you've had among many other people who have served our our nation of hiring vets? Because I know cybersecurity is something that they are expertise and really experts in versus every other country.
0: Well, you know, Jim, as we said, our mission as a company is to protect our way of life in the digital age. We've been very honored and privileged to, as the leaders in the industry to do lots of things underneath the umbrella of that mission, including... Uh, things we're doing with veterans and uh, tech, uh, things we're doing in the uh, in the federal space with the Cyber Moonshot, you know, uh, that I've worked on with the NSTAC, had the privilege to work with the administration on this one, the previous one, this administration. Things we're doing like uh, the badging program with the Girl Scouts of America, where we're rolling out all those cybersecurity badges in conjunction with the Girl Scouts. So, uh, you know, I look to be involved in all of these efforts in any way that I can.
2: Gentlemen, I thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. It is a great delight. It's marked, I hope you don't, the, you're not a stranger. You're not a stranger. Nikesh, great to see you again. Thank you, sirs.
0: Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim.
2: Okay, that is Mark McLaughlin, outgoing chairman and CEO Palo Alto Networks and incoming chairman and CEO, Nikesh Arora. And I will tell you right now, as I have said, for 150 points, Palo Alto, the stocks a buy right here. Stay with Kramer. Last night, we told you to buy Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, the traditional lodging business just spun off by the old Wyndham Worldwide. And the dark thing exploded higher today. is up a little more than 5%. Now, the remaining company, a pure play on vacation rentals, think timeshares, has changed its name to Wyndham Destinations, and the new ticker is WYND. Regular viewers know that I typically love breakups. Wall Street favors simple, easy-to-understand companies, and splitting Wyndham into a timeshare business and a separate hotel business makes a lot of sense to me, which is why I've been positive on this development since we first heard the plan last summer. But is this stock going to be as strong as the stock of its sister company? Let's take a closer look with Michael Brown. He's the new CEO of Wyndham Destinations. Get a better read on the timeshare business now that it's much more of a pure play. Mr. Brown, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. How are you? Have a Jim. Okay, so uh, I would say that not all of our viewers are, are familiar with what the timeshare business is, although it's getting younger and younger, right. judging from who's signing up. If you can tell people uh, what the industry's health is and where you fit in, because I have to tell you, we have had huge, huge win here in Marriott Vacations Worldwide no, that's right. when, that's when the stock right. was in its 50s when we said to buy it because it just seemed too cheap on a cash flow
1: business. Right. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation today. And it's great to be in the vacation business. That's the business that that we are now we are a pure play timeshare business okay. now is when destinations the industry because people love vacations and good times and in bad they want to go on vacations and therefore the industry is as strong as ever growth every single year but what's interesting about that growth the growth is really changing in favor of branded hospitality players over the last few years the market share of those branded hospitality players has nearly doubled all right, well, then give me the value
2: proposition of being with you, say, versus uh, another vac- uh, timeshare company, and also versus just say, well, you just want to go somewhere every year and, uh, and, and you, you're happy to pay the hotel fee.
1: Well, let's just start that again. I think the industry is very strong. And what we're seeing from consumers today is they love space, they love amenities, and they love the, the confidence and consistency that's always delivered by branded hospitality players. Wyndham Destination serves the everyday traveler. That's the largest demographic of traveler in the United States today, and that's the segment that we sit in. We're the largest vacation ownership company in the industry, and we proudly serve the customer that not only values vacation, but they value great value in their vacation. Right, so
2: what what is the actual proposition? And let's say you don't like it.
1: Can you get out of it? Well, let's start with the value proposition. Okay. I think if I were to ask you, would you like to pay for your hotel uh, at the rate that your hotel costs in 2010? You would say yes. So it's a great opportunity for people to lock in their future vacations at today's value. And yes, as far as exiting the, their ownership, Wyndham was the first; they were the pioneer in the industry to create a way to to exit your ownership when the time is right. Um, we call that the Ovation program, and. We, we exit program, uh, owners on occasion when, when they call us and they say, you know, the time's right for me to exit my ownership. Well,
2: is there a, a robust secondary market?
1: Because that would seem to be a, a, another good opportunity. Well, it's, it's interesting you would call that an opportunity. There is a secondary market, but the key to the secondary market is to really have a robust sales and marketing operation that can distribute that. Uh, inventory. I think that's actually an opportunity for us as Wyndham Destinations as we move forward to be more active in the secondary market.
2: Okay, so uh, explain to me how you will have the money to do You might have to f- do some financing uh, because I know that you're, you're, the balance sheet is, is not where you want it to be yet. Uh, but you have committed to making it much better. But right. Your dividend is terrific already.
1: Right. Well, let, let's start. The, the we're, we're, our balance sheet is really solid. Um, we do have plans for very modest uh, debt repayments to get us right. right into our target leverage. But the key to our size and scale as the largest vacation ownership company in the world is that we're generating over $500 million of free cash flow on an annual basis. So that free cash flow gives us a great opportunity to return capital to the shareholders and Focus on what these split ups are all about, which is growth and shareholder value. All right
2: Now, to be fair, what we what drew, drew us to modifications worldwide, and yes. I know compared, my mother would say comparisons are order, orders, but mm. uh, they uh, they had 36 uh, million shares five years ago, and now they're down to 27 million. It's right. kind of like, I'm not saying anything's a no-brainer, but when you have sure. that kind of buyback, it's pretty darn no, good. No,
1: it's attractive.
2: Can you guys, how soon can you do that, or do you feel like it's the debt first?
1: No, um, we've, we've laid out very modest debt repayments. But as you look at where we're going to return capital to shareholders, we've already committed to a sixty four dividend, right. which is going to create a great dividend yield. That leaves us within our over $550 million of free cash flow. A lot of cash flow to either return to shareholders or look for, for great opportunities that will accelerate growth. You're very aware of the La Quinta acquisition that yeah. just occurred recently, and I heard your interview yesterday with I Mr. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great deal not only for the hotel group, but it's a great deal for us because loyal Wyndham guests become great prospects for us. To own timeshare and that
2: also the the gigantic rewards
1: program's got to help you too well I, I I've worked for two great companies prior to, well, to, to to join with Marriott and then with Hilton and they're two great companies and and the blueprint print is very clear about that hotel relationship so as as the Wyndham hotel group continues to grow to now over 60 million loyal members that's a great opportunity for us which is really in, in a baseball analogy, we're in early innings of that opportunity, whereas, um, you know, the companies I left, they've, they've been doing a great job for for the past few years. Well put. Okay. That's Michael Brown, CEO of Wyndham
2: Destinations. And you know what we said about Steve Holmes putting together a great company and then unlocking even more value. Well, this is part of the value equation. That money's back into the break. It is time. It's time to the lightning round. That's what I want. I'm wrapping everything. I'm And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate. Daddy. It's time the lightning round. I'm close. I'm close. Jack. You know what? Jack.
0: Jim. Hey, thanks for taking my call again, Jim. Of course. Um, Nobody really talks about it anymore. Uh Hold
3: or let it go. Dropbox. D-
2: no, D- D- no. Buy Dropbox. Dropbox. reminds D- me of, of Spotify. When we said in the 150s, you have to buy it. This is a great company. It's doing a lot of great things. I need to go to Craig in New York. Craig. Good evening. Carlisle to- Group. Please. I like KKR more. Uh, I just pointed out you don't need both. You don't one or the other. I'm going to say KKR. I need to go to William in Arizona. William.
3: Hi, Jim. This this
1: is Bill. I wanted to uh, thank you very much for taking my call. Of course. And I've been following you since, uh, well, the cuddle-o days.
2: Oh, my. He's doing a good job there, Larry. What's going oh, on? Oh, uh,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, I wanted to know your opinion on NKTR.
2: You know what? That was stunning reversal. was paired with that Bristol-Myers drug. I was really surprised. But you know what, Dan, here? I'm not going to say sell it. Everybody already has. Jim in New York, Jim. Hey Jim, greetings from the east end of of Long Island. Oh man, I was out there just this weekend doing some gardening. What's going on?
3: Well, it's beautiful out here today and the vineyards are popping up and Uh, all the sailboats are out. I love
2: that I do that North Fork uh, vineyard run. That's fantastic. How do I help? Yeah, hey listen, Uh, a year ago, actually around July 26th or so, you had Brian Goldner on. yes. And uh, I, the next day, I went and bought stock, and it's been the dog of my portfolio. What do I do here? Well, you know what? I mean, it turns out, a lot what happened with Nike and what happened with Under Armour, that it takes a little while longer to clear all that inventory from the system, and that's what's happening with Toys R Us and Hasbro. I beg you to hold this stock, Brian. has never let us down. He won't do it this time. Mark in Wisconsin. Mark!
0: Jim, thanks for taking my call. My, my stock would be a long-term hold, three to five years. I'd be reinvesting all dividends. The name of the company's Blackstone. Well, if you got that time BX. frame,
2: that's a great deal you know, because the yield's good. You keep reinvesting, I think you'll do absolutely fine. It's a good one. Let's go to Sharon in New York. Sharon. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good, Sharon. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? Okay, question. First of all, I love your show, and I have been watching it for years.
1: Thanks. Actually,
2: this is a question from my son, who okay. is currently at work. He works in Manhattan. Otherwise, he would have loved to talk to you. What do you think of Corning, GLW? Is it a sell or one-time uh, hold? You know, it's a week businesses? hold. It doesn't have any real earnings momentum. Uh, it's, th- it's in that same group with uh, OLED. Uh, there's just so much turmoil in that group. I'm going to have to say pass. David in New York David
1: Hello Dr. Kramer Pleasure to talk to you sir
2: Like being a doctor How can I help?
0: I need your help With the Banco Santander Ticker S-A-N Banco Santander Is not death. so
2: good right now I don't like the turmoil In Spain I don't like this The uh, changing government I'm going to have to say You got to take a pass I mean there was a Great long term run there But it's, Spain is Problematic How about we go to David Illinois Dave me, sir. Oh Dave hey. How are you? Well, how are you? Good, thank you.
1: Yeah, sorry about the uh, disinvite with the Eagles, but uh, you'd Good like chance. the stock in the past, but now, what about now? Um,
0: E.W., Edwards Lifesciences. Well, biases.
2: you know why? It's funny you ask, because uh, Medtronic had a big meeting today, and Medtronic is really their rival. Uh, right now, E.W. still has the hot product. I wish they had a bigger product line, but they still have the hot product, which means they're still going to beat the numbers, which means the stock is still going to go higher. Charlie in Pennsylvania. Charlie.
3: Hey, Jim. Long-time fan, second-time caller.
2: Wow, there you go. What do you you think of U.S.P.? Uh, U.S. Bank Corp.? I I don't need any more financials than we already have on this show. Recommending J.P. Morgan. Recommending Citi. Recommending Goldman. All owned by www.actionlordsplus.com. Charitable Trust. I'm not going to get another one. Too darn hard. Let's go to Aram in New York. Aram. Blah, blah, blah. Booyah, Jim Cream, I'm a huge fan of yours. And the New York Yankees, I'm from New York.
1: All and right, my first pick is J.
2: Jill. Look, it was a good quarter. Uh, do I think it's a great secular growth story? No. Could it go up another bucket half? Yes. Is that what I'm looking for? No. There you go. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the
4: Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. What
2: do you do when you disagree vehemently with the stock market's judgment? Today, Medtronic (MDT), the gigantic medical device maker, held what I thought was a very positive investor day, but apparently Wall Street felt differently as the stock ended up closing down at one percent, down one percent. I was kind of didn't think that would happen. I mean, here's a company can't seem to get any respect. For years now, Medtronic stock has been stuck trading between the mid-70s and the high 80s. Right now, it's at 86, down three bucks from its highs. Even as the company just reported a fabulous quarter last month, this is driving me crazy. And again, I thought they told a very good story. Uh, Don't get it from me, though. Last night, before presenting this story to the public, we got a sneak preview from Omar Ishrak. He's the chairman and CEO of Medtronic. Take a look. Omar, when I think of Medtronic, I think of Continuous innovation. I think of invention and disruption. And, uh, and I think about those with the idea that your company has been the best at it. And if you could walk me through some of the things I see on this table for continuous innovation, invention, disruption, I really appreciate it.
3: Okay, well, thanks, thanks for those words. And indeed, technology is what this company is based on. And let me start uh, with the most exciting thing on the table. Okay. And that's about disruption. Okay. And it happens to be actually the smallest thing on the table. And that's this device, which is a pacemaker. It's called a micro, And it's a pacemaker that can be inserted through a catheter. And it goes straight into the heart. And it requires, uh, there's instant recovery for the patient. And the battery life is 10 years. And it reduces complications.
2: Okay, so if I uh, one day would have had to break open the chest cavity and now I can just have it inserted and be out of the hospital, the- how quickly?
3: Oh, immediately. immediately. Immediately? Yeah. Previously you didn't have to break open the chest cavity. There was, uh, the generation before this actually was a device like this. Okay. Which was implanted just inside the inside the skin. And oh. then leads went into the heart. And then the, okay. the, the leads then would then uh, pace the heart. But, but something like that. But this was a generation earlier than right. that. But the most interesting and uh, uh, part of the story, which I'm really proud of and feel privileged that I'm part of Medtronic, when this uh, device has been invented, is that the company was actually founded with this. And this in 1950 was the original pacemaker. And the founding of the company was based on this device. And here we are, 60 years later, the same company disrupts this industry over and over again until we go from there to there. Both the pacemaker, and it's something that we're just incredibly proud. of.
2: All right. So, what are some of the things that are being featured at the Analyst Day?
3: Well, there's a lot more than this. Sure. So, this of is just but one segment is- of our uh, of our business today. Another area is the uh, spinal cord stimulator. Uh, as you know, you know, pain management is a real issue. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. And um, one of the things that we can do is use the same stimulation technology. That's used for the heart to actually stimulate the spinal cord, and through that you can manage pain on, the, on a selected. Okay,
2: well, a patients. lot of the opiate addiction comes from spinal cord injuries. Is, is this a way to be able to get around that?
3: Well, on some of them, yeah, okay. in a selected uh, sort of segment of patients, this uh, does do that work. It's okay. still, again, this technology too is fairly early. And in, in its uh, deployment, I mean, it's been around a decade or so. Right. But in the, in the journey that we're on, uh, it's still fairly early. And but this device is really small. Okay. It's one of the smallest there is. And, um, and then what happens is that uh, the physician actually has a programmer through which he can manage uh, and track the status okay. of the patient, their activities, and also program this device. Gotcha. And, and, then, and then here we have something that's really interesting, which is the, uh, the uh, diabetes management system. Now, so is to this that.
2: a glucose monitoring or is it diabetes, are they separate?
3: Well, it's diabetes management by, so, through the you, use of continuous glucose. you have a glucose. pump. Indeed. So let's take those separate. Okay. Let's start with the pump. Uh, recently we introduced uh, a pump, which was actually the uh, 670G, which is a hybrid closed loop. And what that essentially does is, is, is it takes sensor data continuous Mm -hmm. glucose data, and based on that data, automatically uh, modulates the insulin delivery through the pump. And so it's something like what we'd call an artificial pancreas. Oh, okay. So a patient then is, uh, their their management of the disease is automated and it's much easier for them. So that that product, which is, this is the pump. Okay. The pump, and this uh, this is the sensor. And so the pump and the sensor together uh, form this hybrid closing. And is this
2: one of the fastest growing products that you
3: have? It is indeed. It is indeed. This is one of the fastest growing products. We've got 70,000 patients already under treatment with this, and the feedback has been just fabulous. Fantastic. Now, the sensor alone also is a very useful device because everyone doesn't carry a pump. Right. And there are patients who go on multiple daily injections, and for them too, the sensor can give, give this continuous glucose data through which they can adjust their insulin delivery in a more intelligent fashion. Gotcha. Now, okay. everyone's not gonna understand what the uh, glucose reading actually means all the time. right? And so for them to know what to do depends on their habits, what they've eaten, and a number of other things. And what we've also got is a device which, uh, Okay. Well,
2: a Vikings <laughs> all... fair. Vikings fan. <laughs> <Yeah. Can> you
3: <laughs> We kind of lost that, but we've got we've got an iPhone, on which uh, uh, data is shown, and on that data, a patient uh, gets insights regarding okay. their behavior. So, for example, you'll see a graph which shows uh, uh, what uh, their reaction is to uh, eating something. Okay. So, they've eaten a certain type of meal and the, the device will demonstrate that, look, if you eat this then you're, and you follow the same regimen that you've been doing, there's a chance that your sugar will go lower than it should. Okay. And so it gives you a historical pattern like that, and and these alerts and insights really help you manage your diabetes. Okay,
2: one last question. Are all these, the ones that you currently have out, are they, would you say, state of the art winning share, doing really well for the company?
3: Absolutely. I mean, these are examples of our leading products. In many ways, these are uh, completely differentiated. they actually fall in the category primarily of um, disruption. Okay. Um,
2: right, because that's what we yes. want. If we get the innovation, yes. We get the we get the invention, we get the disruption, disruption. we get a winning stock and a winning
3: company. Indeed, we do. All
2: yeah. right, thank you so much, thank Omar. And congratulations <laughs> on your on your analyst meeting. That's Omar Ishrak, Chairman CEO of Medtronic, which I think is the stock, as I said last week, that I think should have no problem going through ninety to one hundred. But this is not a short-term play; it's a long one. If they have money's back into the. End. Snap judgments are killers in this business. We have seen the retailers get absolutely crushed. Remember when Gap Stores reported and suddenly everybody decided it was no good? And then Matthew Boss from J.P. Morgan, spends a little time on it, recommends a stock, and is right back. I urge you to look and think before you sell. This market reevaluates almost every stock a few days later. And if it was any good at all, you see the stock run. So don't be so quick to cut your losses because it feels bad. That's always a mistake. Like I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, but I'm starting to find it just for you right here on my Buddy. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you tomorrow.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations.